Hey, this is Derek D-Train E2. Tonight's episode is brought to you by... Brandedbills.com, one of the leaders in today's hat industry. If you want something unique, you'll find it there. We love the concept of their leather patches cut out of the finest leather with your logo branded right on the leather. Feeling patriotic? Check out their USA logos or shop by state, offering logos from all 50 states for your custom headwear. Lots of options to choose from, so check out their stock inventory or create your own lid. Brandedbills.com is the sponsor for our hats here at Blue Line Hockey Club, and we are excited to have some of the best hats around. Choose between fitted hats, snapbacks, flat bills, curved bills, trucker hats, you name it, with all kinds of color combos to help customize your branded bill. Get online and place your order today at brandedbills.com. KingTalkGraphics.com. Are you looking for a better way to promote your business? Have you ever thought about a new sign, window film, clear coat, or even wrapping your vehicle? Think about it. All the time you spend in your car driving around Raleigh, North Carolina, a vehicle wrap can be working right alongside you. A clear branding strategy can make the difference between your next call or not. If you're in Raleigh, North Carolina, check them out at KingTutGraphics.com. Your satisfaction with their products and service is guaranteed. So go online to KingTutGraphics.com and check them out. Get a free quote and get started with KingTutGraphics.com. Heyo! Welcome back to the Blue Line Hockey Club, folks. Another exciting episode, episode 83 tonight. We have all of the usual suspects sitting in with us tonight. We have our producer, Patrick Uncle Sullivan. What's up, Patrick? Aloha. And our local nerd on staff, our IT guy, Robbie Pete Peters. How's it going, Pete? And the all-around sports guru, Derek D-Train, he too. How you doing, D-Train? What's up, Guido? Your host of the Blue Line Hockey Club tonight, Mark the Doctor. More Oh, we got a very special guest sitting in with us tonight. We have the president and GM of the Carolina Hurricanes, a finalist for GM of the year last year, Don Waddell. How you doing, Don? Excellent, guys. Yeah, so Don, uh, well, at least you're not in the situation that they are in New Jersey. They're on track right now to have nine head coaches this year, so I guess that's a good thing. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we, we got the guy that's going to lead us to where we want to get to, and we're very uh, satisfied and happy with uh, the performance that Rod's given us. Yeah, yeah. Um, why don't you, Don, will you speak to that a little bit? Um, because I, all of us are big fans of Rod. We watch his playing career. He's a gritty – he was always a gritty player, fun to watch, you know. And I think, um, you know, that style of play is carried over into his coaching style. Um, can you talk about a little bit about how, you know, he fits that, you know, your vision for what you want that team to be and um, just a little bit into into how you view uh, Rod as a coach? Well, first, Rod's not going to ask a player to do something that he wouldn't do himself. And I think the players respect that. You know, uh, Rod's, you know, everybody knows that Rod is a work, work, you know, he works out all the time. But it goes beyond that. It's the, the work he puts in to get his job done. The workouts he does at 6 o'clock in the morning don't help us win games. The work he puts in us the rest of the day and watching games all night is what helps us have success. So, the players know that he puts the time in, and, he, and he's all into it, and uh, they respond for him. And it's fun to watch because Rod's very humble. He realizes that uh, it's not about him. It's about the players. And 
it's a great, you know, great situation to watch when you're in my position. Yeah. So Don, just a little bit more on that, you know, um, as a player, you want your, your captain and your better players on the team to um, lead by example. And some of the other guys, the younger guys will, will follow their lead. And it seems like the, you know, Rod's work ethic and what he's putting in on his end, he's leading by example. Um, and I'm sure the guys on the team see how hard he works and, he, you know, can get the motivate those guys to perform on the ice. And just a little bit further on that, you know, the culture that, that creates in the locker room and as a team to want to win and wanting to work hard, you know, how is that culture, you know, after the bunch of jerks last year, um, you know, with the post game celebrations and all that kind of stuff that came together and led you, um, led that team into the conference finals last year. What is that culture like in the locker room now? Well, you know, we started out last year, uh, last summer, actually, when we started making changes with our hockey club, knowing that we had to change the culture. And certainly with the uh, hiring of, uh, of Roddy to take over, that's where it began. And, you know, to me, you, when you change the culture, you need buy-in. And you need buy-in from everybody in the organization, and most importantly the players. And the players right away, they, they loved the, the, the way that uh, Roddy and the organization uh, handled it. And to me, it was seamless. So we went through last year, had some success, Boston Conference Finals, came back this year. We talked about all summer about, you know, the expectations, how people are going to deal with it. And and actually, it's gone to another level where you know, this is a great group of guys. They do everything together. Uh, it's a fun room to be around. And, you know, it all starts, you know, with your leadership group of your hockey club and carries right down to everybody in your team. So I think our culture is about the best that I've seen it. And, you know, we got to keep uh, working at it to not only get better, but uh, win more hockey games. Yeah, Don, the guys on the podcast, we always talk about, you know, it takes two goalies to go deep into the Stanley Cup playoffs. And uh, um, you guys have done that in the last year. Um, you got a stellar goalie down in Charlotte, uh, Ned. I don't want to try to pronounce his last name, but we'll just say Ned. Yeah. Um, so what's his, you know, you got three top goalies here in the NHL, AHL, um, you know, what's the possibility of uh, Ned coming up and playing a few games this year? Yeah. A great question. Cause I think we actually might have four Forestburg's been pretty good down in Charlotte too. Kid that we trade for <laughs> in the Dahan trade. So we might have four guys, you know, we, we talked about it and, you know, we actually, if you back up about 10 days when, you know, we lost a few games. We said, you know, maybe it's a chance. And then, you know, we go in Detroit, back-to-back games. Reimer plays well, gets a shutout. We come back this week. He goes to Tampa Bay and, and, and wins a big game for us. So, you know, we just, you keep talking about giving an opportunity, but the guys keep just doing enough to, you know, make us want to, to stay with them. So um, I, think, I think both goalies down there eventually are going to get a chance to play games this year. I don't know when that's going to happen, but we got to find out what you have. And like you said, I'm like you. Ned, Ned is the goalie. I don't even know. I don't think Ned's got a last name. It's just Ned. <laughs> so, at some point, he's going to come up here, and John Forslund will have his name all wired out and ready to call. But uh, um, you know, we, we feel good about the future of our goal setting and 
you know, what you're looking for is what you said. You need two goaltenders. You got to have the consistency. So certainly I think you're going to see uh, one or both of those goalies that are playing throughout and play some games for us in the near future. Yeah. So, Don, where are you looking um, as far as improvement that you'd like to see within the team structure uh, so far? I know I think I read something recently where you want the team to kind of get a little bit more of a killer instinct or something going in, you know, even from period to period. So um, what is where, where do you see improvement to be made right now? Yeah, if you look at just the guys we have right now, we had we had a four game road trip. Every game we were up by two goals, uh, two games we won in overtime. One game we won in regulation, the other game we lost. So when you think about that, you had two goal leads, and we had a three goal lead uh, the other night, and try to we did our best to try to give that up. But so you know, to have that killer instinct, just to keep your foot on the pedal, and you know, try to you know eliminate what the other team uh, can do for you, uh, do against you, just. You know, try to finish games off. You can finish games off early if you – it's not always about scoring, but it's how you're playing them. Uh, you can't get comfortable with a two-goal lead in this league and think it's, the other team's not going to show up to play. We know that's not going to be the case. So that's one of the things we talk about. And like always, you know, we're scoring goals. We want to make sure we uh, don't give up as many chances as maybe we did. We relied on our goalies a lot last year, and both goalies played really good. And, you know, our, we believe in our defense, but we got to maybe take some of the pressure off our goaltenders and not make as many, uh, give as many scoring opportunities as we have here this start of this year. Yeah, it's, uh, talking about defense, uh, you know, the, the new age defensemen like your Dougie Hamilton you have in Carolina, um, the offensive defensemen, you know, how, how much of that are you looking for when you, you know, you're looking for a new defenseman or you're looking for a, a current guy to be more offensive? Uh, it seems like that new age defenseman, like you got McCarr out in Colorado and just some of these young guys coming up um, that can score goals and contribute on on the stat sheet. Um, how has that changed your view of um, looking for defensemen? Well, we look at it as all five guys on the ice have to uh, have an opportunity to provide offense for us. Some are going to be more limited than others, but you need, you need all five players to engage in the offense. Now saying that, I think at times, the way we're structured right now, we might be a little too offensive-minded. If I could trade one offensive-minded guy for a defensive-minded defenseman, it might be in the best interest of our team. I'm not saying I'm out looking for that, but just yeah. you know, because we are we're we are a pretty offensive-minded team, and the way Roddy likes to go, you know, he likes to play fast and keep going. Um, you know, it might be nice to have another defensive defenseman back there because really. You know, we have Joel Edmondson, who I would say is a pure stay-at-home type defenseman, but he's probably the only one of our group there that plays that style. Yeah, that's interesting because I've heard I've heard both sides of the story of you know um, some GMs wanting to find the Kale McCars and the young guys to be more offensive, but it does make sense these guys have to play defense and and stay home and stop the puck. And like you said, give your goalie some help and, and win those games in the third period, and not give up so many chances um, to say that as far as, um, you know, being able to, to go and play a fast paced game, how important is it in today's NHL to have four lines that are contributors and the fourth line is an actual, you know, back in the day, you might've had two really good lines and then a third line that was okay. And you had some enforcers maybe on the fourth line, 
Um, today's game, you need to seem to have four good, solid lines. Yeah, great point. Uh, absolutely agree, 100%. You know, the days of having the enforcers are gone. You know, if, if you can have an enforcer, but he's got to be able to play the game and contribute uh, offensively. You know, Tom, Tom Wilson in Washington, uh, enforcer, but he contributes. You can't just have a guy that is, doesn't uh, doesn't bring the offensive side on your offensive uh, in your top four lines. So four lines, you know, that fourth line can be more of a hardworking, but they got to be able to skate and they got to be able to play against the team's top lines. Because what happens, you can't always hide them. You're on the road, key face off, all of a sudden icing or whatever, they're out there. They got to be able to play defense and, and protect, you know, your own goal. So, um, I think it's critical to have four lines and four lines that not only can contribute offensively, but more importantly to be able to take care of their own zone if they get uh, a mixed matchup. Don, I just wanted to touch on, you got two of, two of the guys here on the podcast in Raleigh. Um, in, we've been down to Charlotte a few times, you know, and, and just with a lot of the, the fans in the area, um, you know, during the off season, you know, there's a lot of talk about, you know, all these Charlotte checker players leaving the organization, some of the top players, um, you know, that's, it's, it's tough to do to keep those guys on the team. Um, I was hoping you could elaborate on that, but that's in any sport, right? Baseball, football. If you, when you win the, you know, the Calder cup, and you're hoping to, you know, a lot of fans expect you to keep that whole team together. It's almost impossible, right? Yeah, absolutely. What what happens is, and you know, when you win, everybody expects to get paid more money. Now, exactly. <laughs> a lot, a lot of these guys had the right. Their unrestricted free agents had the right to move on, and you know, smart by that, they sold themselves to the highest bidder. Yeah. You know, they're only going to get that crack a few times in their career, especially playing in the American League. So um, that was part of it for sure. You know, uh, you know, we, we brought up obviously Marty Nekash. We traded uh, Wah to Vegas for Halla. You know, so we broke up that team a little bit. Uh, the young guys we had down there, Fleury was down there most of the year, and he's up with us. So, you know, whenever you win, it, it, it's – just human nature at that level, you're going to have a lot of changeover. I've won, I think it's my fifth championship at the American League level. And it happens every time because players just feel like they get an opportunity. But they get exposed, most importantly, they get exposed in the playoffs to all 31 or 30 other NHL teams. Because when you're in the finals, there's only, you know, you're the only game going on. Everybody watches them. They see the good things that you're doing. And so it brings opportunity for these players. So uh, yeah, I am. I I know the process. I know how it works. And I don't blame anybody if they uh, feel like they have a better opportunity someplace else. But take advantage of it. Yeah, and you got a new coach down there too. So even the coach left. Yep. So the whole. I mean, not just the players, coaches, assistant coaches. The whole the whole shenanigans leave. So it, it's <laughs> tough to do to keep the team together. Yeah, no, it is. And you know, Mike Bucci did a great job for us down there, and. He had an opportunity to go to Pittsburgh, and you know, again, I can't blame these guys. It's just they get very rare. You know, there's you take the math and say, well, it's 31 teams in the American League. That means you're going to win every one every 31 years. I better take advantage <laughs> of this, this one by year because 
probably not coming around for a long time. Exactly. No doubt. How's Holla doing? He's good. He's uh, pretty much pain-free as we speak. Uh, you know, he's had a great start to the season. Uh, as we all know, he went through a major knee surgery last year. MRI proved nothing to do with his knees. He had tendonitis. Very, very common and after this type of injury. Uh, he's been working out here. Uh, he's pain-free. He'll be skating here soon. Um, he's been a big part of our, our hockey club so far, and we look forward to getting him back. No doubt, no doubt. Uh, Don, just go off on a little tangent here. Um, you're the first player that I ever had the chance to speak, or hockey player that I ever had the chance to speak with that, you know, was, you know, associated with the 1980 Winter Olympics. Um, you know, can you talk to us about the 1980? We're, we're all from upstate New York, um, Clarkson, um, Potsdam, St. Lawrence University area. So we played, we've been to, uh, you know, the 1980 rink. We've skated and spent numerous times in Lake Placid. But can you just tell the listeners and all the fans here in Raleigh uh, um, about the 1980 Winter Olympics and maybe touch on Herb Brooks? Yeah, no, it was outstanding. You know, I had uh, the two years at the uh, Summer Sports Festival in Colorado Springs leading up to the Olympic team. And then I broke my leg at the... Uh, Second uh, second summer tournament in Colorado Springs, and uh, so I started off the year in college, my senior year at Northern Michigan University, and then I got the call, which pretty much we knew was going to happen. Herb said, "Get back in shape," and so I joined the team <laughs> back in November and played uh, whatever it was, fourteen, fifteen games. We made a trip to Europe and then came back and. Right after uh, Christmas there, we were playing up in uh, Glens Falls, New York, and that's where I got injured, and uh, from there, the rest was history. So the uh, it was a great experience, and I can tell you that that if you watch the movie Miracle, uh, which we've all probably watched, I've probably yeah. watched it 10 times, you know, 90% of it, 90% of it is right on it. I mean, there's some things, because it's a movie, of course, we all know that, but it, it's pretty... <laughs> pretty incredible the things that happened and how the players responded to Herb and you know Craig Patrick plays a great role in there and Craig's a very good friend of mine and uh, yeah like I said you know remember Dave Christian was a forward and they moved him back to the fence for the Olympics because uh, the whole time leading up to the Olympics he was playing forward when I was there and then obviously they felt like they needed another defenseman they moved Dave Christian back and he was so stellar and a big part of the, the success of winning the gold medal. So that's what I say. If I didn't get hurt, you know, the, the puck might have went the other direction and we would be ever talking about this again. So uh, <laughs> it's an opportunity for uh, yeah, you just never know. So, you know, it's funny because uh, those guys were great. And, you know, a lot of them I still stay in contact with. And, you know, Mike Ruzioni a week after, or 10 days after they won the, the gold medal he called me and he came visit at least for a couple of days i was up at college and it meant a lot to me and to yeah. this day you remember those kind of things that you know you're a part of it obviously you weren't there for the grand finale but you feel like you're a part of it throughout the whole process wow it's pretty it's pretty amazing that to be a part of that so 
You're, you're the first one I've ever spoken to, so it's an honor. <laughs> oh, I got lots of stories about Herb at some point. Full uh, <laughs> rest in peace, but there's some great stories about Herb for another show. We could pitch, we could spend two shows on that. <laughs> yeah, Don. Yeah, um, yeah, go I'm ahead, Derek. Yeah, I was just going to ask, you know, for some, you know, listeners that might not understand, you know, what goes into being the GM of a organization like you are, could you kind of walk us through, you know, a brief synopsis of what a day of yours looks like? Sure. Well, first of all, the general manager is in charge of anything that has to do with the hockey operations, all the way from hiring the players, the trainers, the co- uh, all the coaches, um, you know, getting your schedule all set, workout training camp details. Then once all that done, it's like a typical day is, you know, the first thing you do in the morning, we all go through the scoreboard, we look to see who won, who got the points, look at all the highlights. Or, anyways, that's what I do, look at all the highlights. And then your mind start racing, like you see a team lost four games in a row. Okay, <laughs> you know, they're, they're, they're ready to do something. Um, <laughs> you know, my, my goal is to try to touch base with, the GMs on a pretty regular basis, you know, today, uh, I think I talked to seven guys today just to stay in contact because they may not be thinking today, but you, you said, you, you know, you said that, Hey, you know, we're, we're thinking about maybe doing this or that, you know, if you ever get to that point, uh, keep us in mind. And, you know, just, you try to stay the worst feeling for me as a GM is when I pick up the paper or, or I guess that's, Ludicrous picking up a paper these days. When you when What's you read that? on Twitter something that that somebody's been traded and you didn't know that that player is available. Not that you may want that player, but in my business, you like to, you like to think you're on top of everything. Where you, you kind of try to keep track of what's out there and what's going to happen. Yeah, um, that's what I that that's why I've always. For my whole career, I've always been, you know, I'm a, I'm a, uh, a guy that I spend a lot of time on the phone and I socialize, but try to get information from other people that might be helpful down the road. You don't want to have that what the fuck <clears throat> moment, huh? Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. And it's happened. It's happened. Trust me, it's happened. How the hell did I miss that? Son of a bitch. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, so Don, it seems like probably the the toughest job uh, in an organization. I mean, especially once you get to know a player, um, say he's been on the in the organization organization for a while, and then you have to trade him away. It's it's you know it's a business decision, but obviously there's there's a friendships that are made throughout the, the time with the organization, and it's got to be tough to um, to call a guy and tell him they're moving on. No. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, I've traded Arizona Line, I traded Heatley, I traded uh Kovachuk, I've traded uh, all the top players we've drafted and um this summer we traded Calvin DeHaan and I gotta tell you, we signed Calvin the year before as a free agent. It might have been my toughest all of my career with how many years I'm old, so it's a long time. <laughs> uh, that I was I, I tried to get a hold of him and he didn't take my call, and then Ooh. I was at a dinner. Well, he, he was working out. He said, and so <laughs> he called me back. He called me back like an hour out, an hour later. And I was at a dinner appointment, so I stepped out of the restaurant, and I said, Calvin, I'm sorry, 
but I just traded to, to Chicago. And you could just, he didn't say anything, but I could feel it through the phone. And I felt <laughs> bad about it. I, I mean, but you remember, and then, you know, you start talking, you know, it's always, I said to Calvin, you know, it's good to have somebody that wants you. I've been where I've had to sell players, go find another occupation. You know, get out of hockey. <laughs> nobody, nobody wants you. Here, when you're telling a player that, hey, they want you, that, that's, that's, the, that's an easier part for my, my job. It's when you have to tell players that you got to go find another occupation. But with Calvin, I, he just, you know, I could just, he, he was such a good guy for us. We just felt that, you know, it was time we wanted to clear up some money. But uh, going back to what you asked, so to, you only trade players for the sake of helping your hockey club. You never trade players for personal reasons, whether you like, as a GM, whether you like or dislike a player, because there's lots of players in my career I dislike, but I kept them for because they serve purposes. You trade players to make your organization better. You got to take the personal side out of it because we're all people. We all get up the same way in the morning. We all put our shoes on the same way. We all have feelings. I don't ever intend to hurt anybody. You know, so any move we make has got to be for the best interest of the hockey club. Sure. Don, I know we, I, I know we touched on it earlier about, uh, you know, the fourth line getting away from fighting. Um, do you think eventually that fighting will be gone or do you think there, it will always be there, but uh, kind of not as much? I mean, I think last year St. Louis and the Boston Bruins went through the whole NHL playoffs without one fighting uh, major. Um, yeah. What do you think about I, I, you that? You know, yeah, I, I look at it this way. I think fighting, the decrease in fighting is going to continue. But, you know, the part that I get a little bit defensive is there's fighting in every sport. Yeah. You know, I, I watched uh, the football game the other day uh, where the guys <laughs> were fighting. So and two weeks ago, guys hit them with kind of the helmets. <laughs> and uh, bas- basketball courts, they come off. You know, so we're not the only sport that has fighting. I, we would have, I would say we have the best rules to control fighting <laughs> because usually like in basketball, when you have fighting, it's everybody comes off the bench. Yeah. And, yeah. you know. They don't know what they're major, doing. Major League <laughs> Baseball, you throw a pitch and it gets too close to somebody and then the bench is empty. So I, I, I get a little defensive. I don't, I, I, I think there's, I think fighting is going out of hockey. I think it's going out of, but the way it's going out, I think it's the correct way. It's not being forced out. It's just the nature of the business. We're going back to the fourth line and everything, skilled players. Occasionally you're going to have, you know, we're carrying around five foot weapons in our hands. You'd rather have guys drop their stick and maybe sell something with their, their gloves off. But I think fighting is at a decrease. It's only going to get, it's only going to get less and less as we continue to grow. For a couple of reasons too, also because of the skilled players, the fourth line, the influx of European players, and, and face and face masks, face shields. You know, they're all, yeah. Within a time, everybody's going to be wearing a face shield. So why am I going to drop my gloves and try to hit somebody in the shield? You know, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. 
Yeah, and just uh, kind of off topic here, you know, as far as the salary cap um, increasing, it's, I guess, supposed to happen pretty soon, I believe. Um, it's not going up as much as I thought it would, but is that going to make your job easier? And also, what's it like dealing with the agents? Are they a pain in the ass or you kind of know how to deal with them now? Um, you're being <laughs> kind when you say pain in the ass, okay? You're being kind. You get um, yeah. First, the salary cap, we would be in a position right now where we would hope the cap doesn't go up because a whole lot. Uh, because we have about uh, you know seven million dollars this year that's coming off the books next year. We traded for Marlowe, you know, with Toronto the first round pick. That's a six two five zero. That comes off, so we're gonna have cap space. We won't have an issue next year. So if there's less money to be spent in the marketplace, that means our money will go further in the marketplace. If we go out to free agency, we won't compete with mm-hmm. as many players or another yep. team. So. Um, that part of the cap, and then the second part of the question was, oh, the agent, <laughs> oh, the agent. Yeah, I, I had I had an agent in Atlanta that uh, that probably everything going on in the world right now. I got to be careful, but I probably told that he probably wasn't my best friend, and he said he said I take that as an insult. I'm going to call your boss. <laughs> well, my boss at the time was a guy by the name Stan Castle who runs the Dodgers, and and Stan every other word was a word that you wouldn't use on a normal <laughs> around your kid. So this guy made the big mistake of calling my boss, and he gave it to him. So that kind of settled that. But you know the way I look at it, you, you get to know the agent. There's some guys. If I'm a, if a guy's value is a million dollars, I know if I say to a guy his value is probably around a million. Or nine fifty to a million, the guy's gonna come in and say a million fifty we'll set out a million. There's another guy, a group of guys, if you think the value's at a million dollars, I'll say to him, I'm offering you three dollars. <laughs> and I know he's gonna I know he's gonna come in at three million dollars. <laughs> eventually we're gonna get to the million dollars, but he's gotta feel like he won something. So when he calls his players, he said he says Don offered you three dollars. I got you. A, I I got you a million. Now he looks like wow. What did he get you? And I'm sitting back here saying, that's what he. We're gonna pay him all up. So you you learn the kind of guys you're negotiating with. As far as some guys, you gotta leave yourself a lot of room. And there's a lot of guys in the business. You get pretty close to the number pretty quick. They know the value of the player and all that. But there's just some guys that just feel like. They just want to tell their client, hey, I got you a lot more than they offered. <laughs> Don't get like, all me, it matter. We pay them all the same anyway, so yeah. <laughs> I guess one other question I wanted to ask you before we let you go here is uh, the biggest question mark and for some of the Hurricane fans is um, Justin Williams uh, rumored to be working out, possibly thinking about playing hockey again? Yeah, probably that rumor came from me because I said it the other day on TV and I got, <laughs> kind of got in trouble for it. Oh, so I'm, nice. spreading the, I'm, I'm spreading the rumor. Yeah, no, Justin's been working out his skate three days, three days a week. Uh, you know, we've talked. He's not there yet, but you know, he's doing things that, from a general manager standpoint, I like because you can't just say, "Okay, I'm going to play." 
and throughout play. You know, yeah. if you say I'm going to play, then there's a process of getting ready to play. So he's he's doing a lot of things right now that would put him in a position that if he did decide, yeah, let's go for it, that it wouldn't be that far off that he could be ready to play. If that makes sense. Yeah, yes. fair enough. Absolutely. But Don, I can tell I played uh, hockey since I was four, and I'm ready to play. So <laughs> you ready? Yeah. So is well, it a tryout or? Yeah, but he's already I, been, I he's already it. been to- told to find another uh, occupation. <laughs> well, I only have eight hundred thousand in the cap, so you probably have to take a pay cut to come play for me. I'll play for free. I'll fill the water bottle. <laughs> Don, we we appreciate you coming on tonight. Obviously, uh, you know your team had a game against the Bruins tonight, so we're sure you're busy with that. And we pre- really appreciate you taking some time out of your your schedule to meet with the Blue Liners tonight. And it's been an honor to have you on the show. No, it's my pleasure. And sorry, I know it took a little while to get to see together. And uh, uh, if it wasn't, if I didn't offend anybody too bad, I'd love to come back at a future date, and we can talk uh, a lot more about hockey. And I'll share a couple of Herb Brooks stories with you. That'd be great. Right. Sounds maybe great, sir. Maybe we get one of the Greenways down in Carolina here eventually. Make it, make a move. Yeah, there. You go. <laughs> make some. Moves. There you go. Make some moves. Yeah, got some yeah, space. Got <laughs> All right. Thanks, Don. All right. Thank you, guys. Have a good night. All right, boys. Uh, Pretty awesome interview with the GM of the Carolina Hurricanes tonight. Don Waddell sitting in with the Blue Liners. Uh, Obviously, uh, uh, honor to have a GM on on the show. It's not too often we can pull them away from their busy schedules. I mean, obviously, you heard... You know, what he's dealing with on a day-to-day basis to try to keep this team in the win column. And, it's, uh, you know, like he said, he talked to seven GMs just today. So very busy guy and uh, appreciate his time. Yeah, definitely. It's great to have him on. You know, Rob and I here, live here in Raleigh, and uh, we're, we, we've gone to a few games. We're going uh, Saturday to watch the Minnesota Wild. Uh, Rob and I had the chance to meet Don. He's very personable. Um yeah. I, I met Don at the Charlotte Checkers game uh, during the uh, AHL Calder Cup finals. Um, saw him sitting up in the bleachers. Uh, me and my friend Matt Telfer went up and talked to him. And, I mean, he, you know, most people with that status would just kind of blow you off. He sat right there and talked to us for a while. Um, great guy. Um, Rob and I met him here in Raleigh at the uh, PNC Arena. Uh, Rob's got a picture with his boy, uh, with Don. Um, great guy um you know and, and he's come he's gone from uh i think there's a story about him that he was actually you know drafted by the la kings uh played one game uh played a you know jumped around the the minors a little bit and then uh, ended up working selling porta potties and um eventually uh a team called him up and they were short on defensemen and pulled him up and got him back into the hockey uh, you know, you know, scene, and now he's the GM of the fucking Carolina Hurricanes. So, um, just crazy story, great story, actually. You know, the Herb Brooks, U.S. 1980 U.S. Olympics. Um, this guy's uh, almost done it all, right? And I, I don't know what he just just Stanley a great Cup. story. Got a Stanley Cup. Stanley Cup Wings. with Detroit. Yeah, we didn't even elaborate on that. He won a Stanley Cup night 9798 with the Detroit Red Wings. Yeah, and I think that once you leave the playing side of hockey, 
you know, what's the top position to, to get, right? I mean, you don't get much higher than president and GM of a team unless you're a billionaire and buy your own team. But, you know, that's, you know, quite an accomplishment. And it's got to be the most stressful job in sports, you know, for any yeah. GM, for any sports team, trying to put a team together that wins. Um, when the team's not winning, people are looking at you to make trades. And then you do make a trade and the guy doesn't pan out or, you know, if, if he does, you look like an all-star. So it's just one of those things that, um, you know, you got to take chances and you got to hope the guy performs. And, you know, it, what a stressful job trying to, to put pull all that together and, you know, have the media on your back and the fans on your back. And when you're winning, things are great. But, you know, if you take a turn for the worst, it's uh, got to be terrible. Yeah, yeah, I mean, as a fa- as a fan though, like you know, as a fan of a team, right? You you know, you're living in the moment all the time. You you know, you're you're pissed at the highs and lows of every game. But yeah. as a GM, you know, you've got to be like you know, like four or five, six, seven steps ahead, you know, of the current situation. I mean, they're looking they're looking at you know different angles for trades and everything that no one's even talking about, thinking about. Even when the team's in a good spot, these guys are looking to make, you know, wheel and deal, which, you know, the public never sees, you know what I mean? So there's a lot that goes into that thing that, um, I don't know, it's pretty, I, I think it would be a, a really neat job, but also, like you say, highly, highly stressful. And as a GM, you're, you know, you're tied, your success is basically tied to the coach, you know, too. I mean, obviously it's talent evaluation and bringing in good players and building a culture, but um, without a good uh, coach running the ship, I mean, you know, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. A GM will maybe survive, you know, one head coach hiring and firing or maybe two before, you know, the, the bullseye will get on them too. So tying yourself to a good coach is, is key in, in the league of any professional league, honestly. Yeah. And I mean, people are going to hate you. People are going to love you and you just got to do what you got to do. Right. That's, that's in life general, not even just professional athletes or GM. That's just, you know, no matter what, what you're saying, he till people are going to, agree with what you do or disagree and then you just got to do what you think is right but uh and to say you know the coach too plays an important role uh with the gm i don't think there's a better you know you know looking at the nhl i don't think there's a better team that has a better coach than rob brendamore i mean if i was the gm of a team rob brendamore might be don sweeney of the boston bruins but those two guys i mean rob brendamore is a fucking ace. I mean, that's a gold mine. I th- I think personally, he is players he coach. Is players coach, exactly. I mean, they got they got him, and now they just got to put the uh, you know the variables in there and let him plug away at them. Rob Brendamore and Don Waddell are gonna do good things here in Carolina. Well, you see, with successful yeah. organizations, you know, like you know, if the GM and coach are on the same page, you know, and you know what the coach is looking for. And they, the GM feeds in the kind of players that they're looking for and the type of culture that they're looking for. I mean, it, you're going to have success. And it looks like it looks like Don and Rod are, you know, tied at the hip, you know, and they both understand how each other works, how each other operates. And that's a combination for success, no matter what sport you're talking about. I think so. Yeah, and for the listeners that didn't know, right before Don came in, came on the show, the Bruins ended up scoring two quick goals to win the game at uh, like a minute 30 left tonight. So that was a rematch to the conference finals. So uh, we had a little little laugh about it before he came on about how, whether he was going to show up for the call or not. But, um, you know, it's part of the part of the game. Right. And he, he understands that. And you're going to win some and lose some. Uh, and I think what he's trying to do is 
you know, get this team to win in the final minutes and the final th- part of the third period, you know, it was zero, zero game. And um, they actually had a goal called back because there was a hole in the side of the net where the puck went through, um, you know, to, they got that goal called back and then they just couldn't hold on for overtime. You know, that would have got them an extra point. Um, so I think that's part of what he's talking about with that team is they need to finish the games off strong and get that point, even if they lose in overtime, you know, just you know, to drop two goals with two minutes left. It's, it's tough. Yeah. Got to close them out. It's a tough league. Yep. Like I think we've had talked about it before in the podcast. You need, you need to get at least three goals a game. And, you know, you got the top team in the league, Boston Bruins facing Carolina Hurricanes, 0-0 in the third. I guess, you know, I don't know what the over-under was on that, but uh, <laughs> great game, great game. But uh, speaking of coaches, we've had three firings at the NHL. And we can get into the NHL talk. It's brought to you by uh, – Podcast 83 is brought to you by Raleigh's number one screen printing company in the area, Josebe Screen Printing. Josebe Screen Printing does all of Raleigh's screen printing, embroidery, special ink, even vinyl heat print. You looking for t-shirts for your sporting event, company, or family function? Check out their work at josebescreenprinting.com. That's J-O-S-I-B-E screenprinting.com. You can follow on Instagram, like them on Facebook and Twitter. That's Josebe Screen Printing. J-O-S-I-B-E ScreenPrinting.com. There it is. Good quality customer service from Blue Liners. We're pretty happy to get some gear from them. So if you're looking for any quality gear, get on our website. We've got our link to their site. We want to get some custom gear made and uh, good quality shirts and all kinds of other stuff if you're looking for gear. So uh, check them out. Another sponsor, the Blue Line Hockey Club. So we're rolling into some hockey news here. Um, like Pat said, some firings with the um, coaching staffs. And I think the biggest question mark right now for me is the New Jersey Devils and what the hell they're doing um, with their coaching staff, right? So they've just fired their interim coach today and they've um, placed their assistant coach as the interim head coach now. So they're on coach number three. We're a quarter of the way through the season. Like I said at the beginning of the show, they're on pace for nine coaches this year. So, you know, if if you're going to put your assistant coach as the head coach, like what's the next play, right? He's probably not going to be the guy. Who's, you know, who's the fourth coach going to be? You know, are you going to hire Babcock? Like who are you going to bring in? But, you know, it doesn't seem like they're happy with whatever they've got in the organization. So why, why are you – putting the assistant coach as a head coach. So, and I'd like to see what their thoughts are, how long this guy lasts as a head coach if they keep losing and who's next. You know, I think they go out and they find a veteran coach. You know, if that's, if you want to, you want the best, go find the best. You know, there's a lot of shit talking about Babcock and the Me Too movement in the hockey world right now. And a lot of players are bashing the shit out of him, but you know, he's won a lot of games. So, you know, do you go out and get a guy like that? You know? They obviously aren't happy with his no names they're picking, putting in the spot. Yeah, I mean they they got they got the top players. I mean you look at that roster, um, they got to get someone in there to uh, you know mix and match the lines, put the chemistry together. So um, I, I it had to happen, I guess. I mean I think they got blown out by the Rangers um, both at home two two penalty or two uh, man down goals. I think that was the uh, 
the last straw that made the firing go. But, uh, yeah, I don't know what it is down there. I, you know, I think we talked here, you know, this summer when we heard about, you know, the first pick, uh, PK Subban going over there, a um, bunch of other players going. I don't know what, what the call is in, in New Jersey, but if, if you're going to put the money on the players, you got to put some money out there for a coach and this assistant coach. We'll see what happens with that. Sometimes you can get lucky. Um, the assistant coach will throw some lines together that, you know, who, you know, just out of nowhere and they could put the puck in the net. So, I mean, I think eventually, they were looking for eventually, somebody, you know? eventually, though, the players got to fucking play, though. You know what I mean? Like they brought in some, you know, some big name signings in the offseason. And at some point, you know, you know, coaching means a lot. But I mean, some of these players got to step up that, are, you know, and make some fucking plays and score some goals. So I don't know. I guess you just keep firing people until, uh, something clicks but at I, some I think point, they're minus 34 gold goal differential yeah i don't know i don't know yeah and then you got bill yeah. peters out there in calgary he got he uh resigned um you know and you know not to elaborate too much on this you know coaches we're all old school i don't even know if i want to get into this but we're old school players um you know with somebody to me to me, you know, Peter's kicking someone in the ass. You know, I, I got in a conversation today at work with somebody that was a hockey guy. So the coaches are elevated, right? They stand on kind of on the bench behind the players. And uh, when something bad happens, you know, a coach is, you know, two, you know, two, three feet higher than you. And to say that he kicked me in the ass, um, you know, I think all of us here have had a coach kick us in the butt. Is it right? I don't know. But Jesus Christ, come on, guys. You know, what the fuck? I, and then you got, yeah, sometimes you deserve it. If you get, if you, I think uh, someone was saying that he had a too many men penalty. That's why he kicked him in the ass. He jumped out onto the ice way before he was supposed to and jumped back onto the boards and into, onto the bench and he kicked him in the ass. Well, did you deserve it? I don't know. Anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this has been a holiday week, so it's a little bit of an off week for, for the Blue Liners coming in. A lot of holiday stuff going on with family. So we're just going to touch on a few teams this week. I want to touch on the Wild because I've actually been watching quite a bit of that the last uh, month, actually. And, you know, I've talked about it a few times. How they, you know, the beginning of the year, we joked about they're a dumpster fire and they just were going to be terrible and they weren't going to do anything. But if you look at their, their record in November and coming in December, they've actually been on a little bit of a hot streak and one of the hotter teams in the NHL right now. Um, I think out of 10 games, they've had two losses and one overtime uh, win. They've beaten some good teams, too. They beat Buffalo in Buffalo. They beat Colorado. They smoked the Ottawa 7-2. to and Jersey's not really a huge win, but then they also had a big win against Dallas. Um so, and then another, they beat Florida tonight. Huge win against Florida, huge four to win. two. So, huge win. You know, that's, um, that's a lot of points they've picked up in the last uh, three, four weeks. Um, I think they're better than 500. You know, we were bottom of the barrel in the division just a few weeks ago. So, a lot of good things. They're, they're getting points out of the, the guys that, like, if you look at Parisi, I mean, the guy had, what, seven goals in eight games or something like that, and he's yeah. been hot. 
you know, they've been getting a lot of points from people that haven't contributed. Zuccarello has been coming on. Cunning's been playing well. He had another goal tonight. Um, you know, that Cunning Greenway Eck line has been a force. What do they call them? The Geek Line. G, the Geek Line. G for Greenway, E K for Eck, and then K for Cunning. Yeah, I heard him saying that. I thought they were saying the D line. I couldn't understand what the hell they were saying, but that line has, has been great. They they start every game. They're basically playing the third line of, of that team, but they, they start every game. So And they get put out against the best players on the other team um, to play some good defense and, and bang them up in the corners, but they've been creating a lot of opportunities. Uh, they've had a goalie um, – Injury. I don't know what's going on with with Dubes. I don't. I think he has some family issues or something like that. Uh, I don't know if it ever came out what was going on with him. Um, so Staylock's been playing lights out, really. And then they tonight they played their their backup against the Panthers, and he pulled out a win. So um, a lot of good things coming on to Minnesota. Uh, I think a surprise for a lot of people that have watched him uh, this year, um, especially at the beginning of the season. So that's been a big turnaround for them. And, uh, you know, I think good things are happening now that some of the key guys have some confidence to score. Donato's had a couple goals late. So he's getting his groove back. Fiala's been playing great. So some of these questionable guys are actually putting the puck in the net stall. Yeah, I mean, there's only one way one way to go, and that was up, you know, from where they were, the bottom of the barrel, what you said. But they're uh, one point behind the wild card now in the Western Conference. So, um making some moves last year. They did really great on the road, which they've been doing lately. Like you said, Mark beat Buffalo in Buffalo um, Florida. Yeah, in Florida tonight. So they got Tampa tomorrow. If they can pull off a win in Tampa, that's huge. They come here to Raleigh to play the Carol hurricanes on Saturday. So there's a couple and you know, and even saying they, they were up four goals on Boston. Boston came back and beat them. Um, yeah, a few games that they had. I think the Rangers they were up two two goals on the Rangers. Rangers came back and beat them. So, and and I think they all they went into overtime. They suck in overtime. I mean, yeah. once that once they drop the puck and you know the other team gets the puck, you know gets that advantage, it's over. Um, uh, two. I think one one of the overtimes they didn't even touch the puck. They just went right down. And I think Tory Krug went right down the middle and fucking scored. So, um, well, yeah. Hey. Doing Listen, good. the fire the fire was starting to burn Boudreaux's ass hairs, and he was able to uh, he's been able to keep a little bit in front of it. So, yeah, he's breathing a little easier now, and you know he doesn't breathe well as it is. So, you know, it's <laughs> <laughs> poor guy. You know, he's red in the face. No matter how stressed he is, it's like he's just waiting to fucking pop with a fucking pin. You know, he can just pop his face. It's such a bloated mess. But, you know, he's. I don't know. He, he hasn't changed up the lines in, in a month. Right. And we've been talking about this on the show for two, you know, since we started the show pretty much that every night he changed the lines up and he hasn't changed them at all. Um, except for the fourth line with their healthy scratch here and there. Felino's back in the lineup and uh, Rask is, is sitting out now, but I think that's key. These guys are getting to play with each other every night and they're getting a little bit of a, you know, like Derek said before, you know, you kind of get a, a mesh and, and a, you know, you know where your guy's going to be, you know, where he likes the puck. And, um, you know, I think that's big that these guys are playing with the same guys, you know, like they have the geek line now or whatever it is. You know, those guys have been 
together for a month and a half and it hasn't been changed up. So that's it's all good things happening in, in, in Minnesota. So we'll see what happens in the month of December and see if they can keep it going. But like I said, they're, they're pretty much one of the hottest teams in the NHL right now. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're doing great. And uh, I wish I would have put some money on them for uh, win the cup. It was like 500 to one. <laughs> but uh, I just wanted to touch on the Boston Bruins. I mean, that team's on fire. I mean, their plus goal differential plus minus is 36. And I think Washington's up there close to with 34. But I mean, 36 goals. I mean, those boys are on fire and, and they're they're getting firepower from the first to the fourth. And uh, that's what they need. Yeah. Tuka Rask is on fire. Um, and, and, and you don't count them out either, because like I said, Minnesota was up on them four four to one going into the third and they or three they to one going into the third and they blew it. So don't don't count those boys out. Buffalo's looking good. Another team that's looking hot for me is the Islanders. They're really making some headway in the league. And uh um, you know, for a, a team that, you know, didn't have much expectations coming into the league. I, I know they did well last year, um, you know, with Barry Trotz being the head coach, but uh Barry Trotz is doing a lot in the Islanders, and it's I like I like it. I like the Islanders. It's like the New York team that nobody wants to talk about. You yeah, know what exactly. I mean? You hear you hear a lot about the Rangers, even if they're not doing well. You hear a lot about Buffalo, but this people don't talk about the Islanders. They're like the forgotten, yeah. like ugly stepchild. Always put prob- them to the side. Yeah. <laughs> they're probably one of the best teams in the state. So it's kind of funny how that happens. Just to touch on the on the Bruins real quick. Um, Charlie Coyle signed a, a, I think a six year extension or something like that for five point some million a year. So he got paid pretty big. He had a goal tonight. Um, you know, I, I think I was talking to you guys about how I couldn't believe McAvoy got, you know, almost a million less per year in his contract than Charlie, Charlie did. Um, yeah, he's, he's the next face of that defensive core. Right. Yeah. I mean, how many more years is Char going to play on that on that defensive core? I mean, he's got what one year, maybe two, you know, mm-hmm. unless he goes for like the all time oldest player ever. Um, but you would think McAvoy would have got paid a little more. I just thought that was kind of odd um, to see a guy like Charlie Coyle on the third line get paid more than your your second defenseman. Yeah. Well, it was up in the air. I mean, he got hurt. He's a he's yeah. a, a blue liner. We've had him on here two times. Charlie's a good guy. Um, got injured a little bit. I think he was offered a big contract. You know, uh, when his rookie season was up in the NHL, he declined it. Um, I think he's just taking a. Did he sign a short year deal? I think a bridge contract. Four, yeah, bridge contract. So he'll make his money. He knows he will. Uh, once, like you said, once Char is gone, I mean, yeah. they they got Grizzly. They got. Corey Krug, but I think McAvoy's the face of that defense. And like Derek said, some of these guys take less pay to be on a better team, right? So, you know, he knows if he takes too much, somebody else is going. So, you know, if you want to keep the team together and win that Stanley Cup, sometimes you give up a little cash. He's still making like 4.3 a year. So, I mean, you can buy whatever the fuck he wants, you know. So he's not hurting for cash. It's just, you know, you just see like, whose agent did a better job. I think Derek brought that up, you know, who had the better agent in that deal. It looks like, you know, McAvoy might want to hire Charlie Coyle's agent. <laughs> you know, a lot of these guys too, though, make a hell of a lot of money. They may, you know, make more money, honestly, like on endorsements and stuff like that. So yeah. who knows, you know? So, I mean, 
I'm sure he's doing all right. And like you say, he's probably weighing the pros and the cons. Maybe, you know, I don't know. A lot of these players want to be where they want to be too. So I'm sure, uh, sure Charlie's happy being in Boston. Sure. All right. Who else do we want to talk about this week, boys? Obviously, like I said, it's a holiday week. So everybody was kind of doing the family thing and not, Hey, non hockey news. They had down in, you know, the Carolina down there, uh, Ron Rivera, the head coach of the, uh, Carolina Panthers was fired today. So, oh, uh, that's yeah. big news. I didn't know that. You've been yeah, there a long time. I didn't hear that either. Yeah, so that's big news for you, uh, North Carolinians. So. Yeah. Well, if they're watching the Devils, they'll put their kicker coach as a head coach. Yeah, maybe <laughs> maybe uh, Ron Rivera can be a head coach of an uh, NHL team. They got a soccer. They got a soccer coach in Buffalo. That's right. That's right. Anything can happen. Yeah. We should put some money on who's the next, like how long till the next coach in New Jersey. <laughs> the over under is like four weeks. It's kind of it's kind of crazy in my opinion though because like Ray Shiro is like a, you know he's a hell of a GM. I mean he's got a massive track record of success. Uh, so it's just um, I don't know what's going on there really. It's um, it kind of puzzling, but maybe they I don't know. They must have they obviously got a plan. None of these GMs are uh, running blind. So, I mean, they got to have some kind of plan in their minds. What it is, who the hell knows, but um, see how it yeah. transpires. Yeah. I mean, who's it, is Babcock going to go interview? I mean, if, obviously, if it's an interim head coach, they're not naming them the head, co- head coach. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, I mean, that leaves it open for somebody else to come in. Well, that's a good conversation. I mean, you, we're all four GMs of random NHL teams. Would you even think about hiring him with all the – yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I do that at this point. Um, I, I mean, I, I think in general, you know, the league itself has gone to like looking for younger coaches. So yeah. if, I, if I am the GM of and I would even do this if I was, you know, a GM in the NFL or whatever. I mean, there's still you know, there's still some really good, um, you know, proven coaches in the NFL and stuff like that, too. But like if I'm a GM right now, I'm looking for I'm looking in college, you know, at the who is that young up and coming, you know, coach that, uh, you know, is on Greg you know, Carver or something like that. Yeah. I mean, on the, yeah. who's somebody that's on the cutting edge, you know what I mean? That's doing things, you know, outside the box a little bit and who's, you know, I, I would be looking for like a program, you know, that wasn't very, here you go talking about Carvel or something, but I mean, you look at a program that wasn't very good. That's being run by some young dude that's turned the corner. You know, that that's where I would be looking as a GM. I, I, I don't necessarily wouldn't look for the status quo, I would be looking for, you know, somebody on that's flying under the radar a little bit, like at a college level myself. Yeah. I mean, the St. Lawrence connection there with Carvel and Cheryl and, you know, maybe there's a St. Lawrence connection between Mark Morris, you know, never know. Never know. Be out of the question. I mean, I'd be huge for the blue line here if we could get some inside scoop on that. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, speaking of college hockey, uh, Minnesota State's on top uh, number team, then Cornell ECAC. A team that uh, you know we know a little bit, just no coming from St. Lawrence University. So we got Minnesota State, Cornell, North Dakota, Denver, Clarkson is another team. So we got in the top five, we got two uh, ECAC teams. So where we're up, where we're coming from, upstate New York, we got two teams. So Minnesota, Minnesota State, Minnesota teams, North Dakota, you know that little uh, Midwest uh, college teams are always up there. So. We'll continue to watch uh, um, the preview to uh, Detroit, the uh, NCAA men's finals in Detroit this year. Little at Little Caesars Caesar. Arena. 
Little Caesars Arena. So, um, how about how about you guys fill us in on the Black Bears versus uh, St. Lawrence University? How was that game? You know, three of you were that at that game. Do you have a few wobbly pops? Yeah, we uh, three of us here: Robbie, Derek, and myself. Uh, we're up in Canton, New York. We watched uh, St. Lawrence University men's hockey versus Maine University of Maine. Uh, Maine took both games. Um, it was okay hockey. Um, I think they tied the second one, huh? Yeah, they did tie the second year, right? Um, it was all right hockey, kind of slow. Um, I, I, I anticipated a more fast-paced, more exciting game. Um, but uh, two or the I felt, I, I felt the same way, Pat. I felt like it was kind of like sluggish-looking hockey, but I'm kind of wondering if that had to do with the venue. Um, St. Lawrence University, as you know, some some may know and some you know don't know, uh, is undergoing like a massive renovation at Appleton Arena. They're not playing in their home rink right now, so they're playing at a local, uh, um, you know, division. Yeah, SUNY school, uh, SUNY Canton D3 hockey program where they only have, you know, only have bleachers on one side of the ice. Um, It wasn't really, you know, the typical D1 hockey environment. So I'm kind of wondering if some of the players had a tough time kind of getting up to the level of uh, how they normally do for, you know, a big game. But um, St. Lawrence hasn't won there yet this year, so. Yeah, so the the mojo isn't quite right, but it it just Pat's right. I mean, it just kind of seemed kind of like slower pace. It didn't it didn't feel yeah. to me. It didn't feel like I was watching D one hockey to be honest with you. But um, no, I'm not sure what that is. And and Maine is uh, in third place in the Hockey East, which is you know a powerhouse division. Um, they looked okay. They got their goalie uh, Jeremy Swame was on here on the podcast. Um, he looked. You say stellar. you say Swame, we say Swayman. Exactly. So, I mean, <laughs> he looked good. So, um, exactly. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. I don't know. Yeah. So we did, we, we did see a uh, Arizona Coyote, right? Uh, yeah. Scouts. Out, in, out in the stands. Yep. He was yep. there. Came so. right over and tried to get on our podcast, but we have a, we a lineup. We were busy. Waiting list, motherfucker. Waiting list, Corbett. So, you know, it's kind of funny you guys mentioned the venue and, and how it seemed slower. And if you've ever watched one of the NHL games when they go to one of those uh, Hockey Town USAs and they play an NHL game in like a minor league, minor league, uh, yeah. you know, minor hockey arena, it just hockey, doesn't look hockey right. Hockeyville USA or Hockeyville Canada, yeah, they play. Yeah, it like doesn't seem the same, you know. So I can understand that, and especially like it just dumbs down the game without the atmosphere. Yeah, and we're not trying to take anything away from you know SUNY Canton or anything like that because they do. It is a, it's a nice facility. It really is. It's just yeah, um, it's, it's not a it's not a D one facility, you know. So um, I, I'm sure St. Lawrence is grateful to be able to use that ice surface, you know, in the situation that they're in. But yeah, it just wasn't this. It's just not the same vibe. I, I'm sure that had a big part in it. Yeah, I mean, if it was two years ago or three years ago, they'd be playing at the PATH. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine yeah. that shit? Oh man, holy crap! <laughs> But anyways, um, good stuff. College hockey's going on. The NHL's going on. I think we got some golf starting up. Tiger Woods, I heard something about him teeing off uh, this and week. I think they're golfing in at the Partridge Knoll somewhere. Oh, yeah. The retirement community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just cleaned off. The, they, brought a Zam, they brought a Zamboni out to clean up the snow. My fingers are just starting to uh, def- defrost from up there. <laughs> a little cold. It was actually cold here in Florida today. People were thinking it was cold. It was like high as 65. Felt great. Oh, it's, God, that's perfect weather. 
like <laughs> 40 in the, in this, this morning and yeah, people are, my that's, that's tough for floridians though right there you talk about 40 oh boy that's like who, yeah who's but, uh, here? i had a jacket this this guy that i work with uh funny story it's talking to him today and i was you know told him like in the north they have basements and uh he said, well, what do you have a basement for? I said, well, you know, the furnaces down there and stuff like that. He's like, what's a furnace? Like, what? <laughs> I was like, a fucking heater, man. He's like, you don't have a heater in your house? He's like, no. He's like, it only gets cold twice a year. I just thought that was so odd. <laughs> what's a furnace? Oh, uh, my God. No heater. You just shut your AC off, right? And Yeah. Put a sweatshirt on, yeah. Anyways, boys, that was a pretty big podcast tonight with Don Waddell, and uh, it's always exciting to have, like, we've had scouts on, we've had NHL players, Hall of Famers, and you always get a little bit of different perspective, and we talk about it, and it's just, you know, for him to talk about the day-to-day stuff with GMs, just cool to hear, you know, and great for the listeners to hear different perspectives of the game and, you know, how all this shit's put together. You know, we watch it on TV, but all the the behind-the-scenes stuff's... uh, you know, for him, it's it's a business, you know, and the, the amount of money, the millions of dollars of the contracts he has to deal with and juggle to try to get under the cap. And, you know, it's more math than hockey at some point, you know. Yeah. Pretty cool. So uh, I'm hoping next week we can get uh, uh, the goalie of the uh, Minnesota Wild, uh, the backup goalie, I guess. But Daylock. Uh, Recently he's been uh, a starter. So, yeah. Next week, we're hoping to get Stalock on, so uh, stay tuned. Yeah, he's been on fire, too. Uh, if you've caught any of the wild games, he's been playing really well. He's been a big part of that that uh, run that they've had. Without dubs, you know, you'd figure all these games, you'd think they'd have their starting goalie in that. But he's been the man, and they've had a, their, their third goalie um, playing in the back-to-back. So, uh, you know, that'd be awesome to, to get him on because he's been, he's been the, the number one goalie there for the last, like, two weeks. So stay tuned, folks. End of it What's that? Ortho- unorthodox goalie, too. He plays the pot, jumps up and down. Falls. It's crazy like, to watch. I like Alex as a goalie. He's a fun goalie to watch. I think he's good. Yeah, he's scary, though. You know, like he's playing the puck no matter where it is. So, like, there's times where he plays the puck and they're like, fuck, they're going to score here. You know, it's in the corner and the puck's turned over. But that's that's part of his game, you know. He's he's known for playing the puck and, and getting the puck and passing the puck to the defenseman and moving it up the ice. So, you know, there's there's more to his game than just stopping the puck, and I think that that's helping Minnesota out. Sure. All right, boys, another great episode. There's 83 of them out there now, so check out all of them on our website, BlueLineHockeyClub.com, and uh, don't forget to watch the podcast on YouTube, and you can catch all the the audio on all your podcast platforms that you like to check out and apple and stitcher and all those other ones uh facebook and twitter for all the updates get on there and check them out boys all right fellas until next time keep your stick on the ice oh doctor Yeah, that's